Hey everybody, and welcome to Rabbit Zomblings, Podcast 248. This week, I have a bit of a surprise. First, this podcast is earlier than expected. I didn't think I would get one out until next week, so that's a surprise. And second, the reason for that surprise is the other surprise. I got into the Tom Clancy's The Division beta weekend they were having, and I had a couple of days to check that out. So I got about seven and a half hours played on what was effectively about one hour worth of um, questing content. So I have quite a bit to say about that, and many of the questions I had last time were sort of answered. So, hopefully, you'll enjoy the show. So like I said, while my peak was very limited in that it was only seven and a half hours, much of the content was blocked off, but it did give me a chance to pretty much look at all of the things and sort of get a feel for the game overall. So I think it's pretty indicative of what sort of the total experience might be. And, you know, granted, I did not get access to everything in, you know, especially like the actual leveling curve in terms of how does that speed go? How does the single player sort of storyline quest line go? I didn't see a whole lot of any of that. In fact, I didn't see much of it at all. So hopefully we'll get some real reviews closer to launch and get more of those questions answered. But many of the other questions I had answered. Characters were pre-created, so we didn't get to see the character creation screen. There are some reviews and previews of that up from sort of the press event they did, like, a, I think, two weeks ago now. So you can sort of get a better view of that if you're curious. But there were pretty much four characters to choose from. You'd push randomize, and it would cycle through, and you pretty quickly got an idea that there were really only four presets available. And I believe the game started off where it was supposed to start off. So I do believe we got the first couple of quests, but they were set sort of at level 4 as the base. And as such, the first three sort of active abilities slash skills were unlocked, and that was one from each of the three trees. So you had sort of a radar ping, which sort of pings the area and finds bad guys even if they're behind a wall. You had a sticky grenade, which you'd shoot, and then it would stick to something, and then you'd press the button again to trigger it. And then you had a sort of riot shield, which I actually didn't try. I probably should have tried it, but it's pretty much just something that generates cover for you, and then you carry it with you. But it limits you to just using your pistol, which isn't exactly terrible. Actually, by the end of the game, I had a pistol that was better than my two main weapons in terms of DPS. So being limited to pistol really isn't terribly limiting. It has fewer shots and and a little bit slower shot speed in comparison. But it's certainly viable to play, you know, as a traditional tank with the shield up, like, all the time. 
but it's certainly much easier to use the cover. The two skills I mostly used, as kind of implied, were the ping, which, you know, I could see the bad guys and that was really helpful. It also gives you a slight uh, damage boost, so that's sort of like a, a support uh, slash intel buff. Because, you know, in an instance, it's really easy to tell where the bad guys are. You know, they're obviously the guys that are not you. But it's also really helpful because it sort of gives them this, like, glow highlight. So they're much easier to see, especially if they go behind cover. You can still sort of see that glowing highlight. Whereas, you know, if you didn't have that, you'd just see their little head peeking over or something. And they're much more difficult to spot and shoot. And the other one I used was the sticky grenade. Because it was a really great combat starter. You'd be, you know, out of line of sight of them, uh, set up the sticky grenade, and if you shot it at them quick enough before they saw you aiming it at them, uh, you could set it on them, and they'd sort of panic and be like, whoa, and then, you know, blow it up, and you could get a, a pretty solid group of four downed pretty quickly that way. That does kind of concern me, though, because with a group of three people all coordinating a sticky grenade, it would make a lot of the fights, I think, really easy uh, from the sounds of it. I mean, there are harder bad guys with armor. They are sometimes spread out, so, you know, you can't get a clump of them. But those sort of AE radius uh, clumps would be really easy to take care of. One thing that did kind of concern me that I discovered is that running around, there are sort of random missions, and one of the random missions is sort of a hostage-slash-hold-up situation. There'll be a civilian sort of in the center of three or four bad guys, and the bad guys are going, hey, give us your money and stuff. So you're, you're in theory, trying to rescue them. But I discovered that these uh, NPC civilians are totally immune to damage. Um, so it was very tempting to throw the sticky grenade on them, uh, since they were the center of that mass, and then blow up all the bad guys and oh, I rescued you by blowing you up with the grenade, but you're invulnerable to damage, so it's okay. So that's something I'm kind of concerned about because it really breaks immersion. On the one hand, I see why the devs did that. They don't want people killing, you know, innocent people, um, especially using them as a trigger for something like that, because if you think about that, that's actually a, a pretty horrible thing to do. But, you know, on the flip side, it would be a lot more difficult to rescue them uh, you know, without a group of people, uh, if they were able to take damage. Because then you'd have to coordinate. Uh, you get the one on the right, I'll get the one on the left. Okay, three, two, one, go. And you know, well, that would be a lot more realistic and uh, something I would be all for. As a solo player, it would be extremely difficult to uh, take down three or four bad guys without damaging the uh, civilian, uh, even if they did, you know, sort of run out of the way uh, once I got one of the bad guys. So that was kind of weird to uh, discover that. The RPG slash cover-based system is a bit weird if you aren't used to it. If you are like me and you've played uh, even just one of the Mass Effect games, I played all three of them. And then I played um, the multiplayer online quite a bit. But if you've done that, you'll very quickly fall into your old habits of, uh, for me, Mass Effect, I'm sure for others... Uh, maybe something like Gears of War. And it's a, a really familiar system. Uh, the problem with that kind of system is, though, until you sort of get used to it, and I was kind of getting used to it by the end of 
I guess about six hours played. You kind of slip in and out of cover accidentally quite a bit. Because if you move uh, the wrong way, like you press space at the wrong time, or there's a system where you can run from one cover to the cover, but you have to hold down space for the entire time. Uh, if you let off the space uh, at the wrong time... Oh, this is on PC, so uh, console, I'm sure, would have a button assigned to it. But if you let off at the wrong time, you'll sort of stop before reaching that cover and just sort of stand there. And then you'll be like, wait, why am I not in cover? And then you'll be getting shot rather quickly. And, uh, you know, since that is a cover-to-cover mechanic, that could end very badly because you're probably running from cover to cover to avoid getting shot at. So it does take a little getting used to, and it is a little weird. But the way I built my character with, you know, the weapons I chose and primarily using the sticky grenade played extremely similarly to uh, Mass Effect Online multiplayer with sort of the soldier class who had uh, a very similar grenade ability. So it will be very familiar to those who have played such a system before. It didn't quite seem as odd as I thought it would. There are many sort of lower level bad guys that do only take uh, basically three or four shots to put them down, which is very similar to a a traditional first-person shooter style game. And then the ones that had armor, you know, they did take a clip or two to get down. But I was also surprised to find there are a great many effect types. I don't know really how to explain it other than that. But you could hit somebody in the leg and they would sort of stagger or hit them in the arm. And they would kind of be like, ow, ow, and wouldn't quite shoot as quickly. I guess that would be like sort of a disabling shot. Or there were things that sort of disoriented them, like a large explosion that did a lot of damage but didn't quite kill them, might stun them. They'd stand there and be kind of, uh. Or there were grenades that were like smoke or um, different kinds. There are six different kinds. But uh, some of them, you know, did a similar disorienting effect. And you could actually get disoriented as well. In fact, a lot of the grenades they use are not uh, straight-up damage. They're disabling by smoke or um, some kind of disorienting gas. And the gas is actually pretty cool because then when you try and move, you'll sort of move the wrong way. And it's like, no, no, go that way, get back in cover. Where are you going? Ah! And so it's very similar to being very dizzy because you're not quite walking the way you expect to. So it was quite surprising to see all of those, like I said, uh, effects or status uh, changes with both where you shot them and the different grenade types and and sort of ability effects, I guess you could say. As I said in my previous rambling about it, there are the three different sort of categories of skills, not really trees, because they don't unlock in a traditional tree-like fashion. And each of those lines has four skills. And as part of the way to unlock it, you have sort of a home base And doing different things will give you certain points uh, to spend in the home base, basically, in a similar uh, three-category system, I guess you could say. Like in the beta, I'm not sure if this will stay the same in the release game, because they had two of the wings blocked off for the beta. So, uh, you know, this, this stuff will probably give you different awards. But, like, when I would find sort of a rescue hostage mission... I would go in and I'd get 
a certain number of points towards the medical wing, and then at 400 points, uh, the one thing they had allowed you to unlock during the beta was the healing ability. So that then unlocked the option to choose the healing ability in my tree, in my skills. Uh, you do have to have an open skill point for that. But it's it's pretty easy because you get like a point, I think, per level. And then, um, you know, if you don't l- unlock one every level, you've got sort of leftovers. But I didn't have any problem unlocking it right when I got it right away. And it also unlocked sort of the three advanced versions of the radar ping. And by that I mean each basic ability of the 12 abilities has three sort of upgrade versions. And when you do a thing and unlock it like like it did that time with um that medical wing boost, uh, you get access to all three of those versions. So for the radar ping, I think it was the first one would ping in a bigger radius and reveal loot that was on the ground, which is really useful outside. But when you're in an instance, it's not really necessary because loot is really obvious in an instance. The second one was sort of a more useful one for fighting in an instance in that it gave you a bigger damage boost. And it would put sort of a micro debuff on the bad guys where they would take more damage uh, while it was active. And then the third one, I think, was sort of a PvP one because it protected you from enemy pings. So I, I really never used that one. And then somehow, I don't know how, there is a sort of master version of each of those skills. I assume it has a sort of similar unlock. And I would assume, again, you know, that's an even more powerful version than the uh, three upgraded versions. As I said before, you can have two of those active skills at any time. It doesn't matter, you know, which they are. You don't have to stick to a particular tree. There was a third spot on the UI. I'm not sure what that's for. It could be for something that was locked out of use in the beta. There were a lot of things that were blocked out. One of which was on a separate page that looked like a more traditional uh, perk system for the character. There were the three different categories, as usual. And each one had ten uh, things. And uh, the UI was um, doing that sort of uh, glitchiness that they do in the division when you're not supposed to see something. So I couldn't really see what they were. But I would guess they are, you know, boosts to various uh, abilities or sort of upgrades to your character, maybe. Like, you know, bonus health or bonus healing, stuff like that. So it's possible that is somehow linked to the third ability. Uh, active ability. I'm not sure what that is all about, but it's possible you have a third ability that you can use. I'm not entirely sure, so uh, you know, check actual review sites for that, uh, especially as we get closer to launch, if you are very curious to know uh, what that's about. The loot and item system is actually somewhat addictive. Each worn item, uh, you know, not weapons, Boost your stats for either DPS, health, or sort of the skill system. I don't remember the exact names for those. But it basically creates this system where what you wear sort of creates your traditional class type, I guess you could say. Because if you wear a bunch more DPS, 
you're not going to have very much health. If you wear a bunch of health, you'll be a really good tank, but you're not going to have very high DPS. And similarly, you know, if you if you build a bunch of skill stuff, you'll have, uh, assumably, uh, a much faster skill recycle. And there are items that have multiple stats, like ones I would often pick was DPS and skill. So I would be sort of a, a support DPS. Of course, I wasn't ignoring health completely because that would be a bad choice. Uh, I think in the end, it wound up that my DPS and my skill stat were, let's say, 100%, and then my health was like 75%. So it wasn't that far behind, but it could be balanced very differently if you want, depending on your gear. Like at one point, uh, again, using the percents, my DPS would have been like 100%, and then my skills would have been like 75%, and then my health would have been 50%. I was doing quite a bit more DPS at that time, but I was also really, really fragile, uh, which is not too bad if you're sort of an experienced shooter player. It's pretty easy to, you know, get used to the cover system, and it wasn't all that bad in normal odds. I even did the single-player mission, you know, by myself solo, and, you know, before the end of the beta, I wound up doing it on hard solo. Again, it took like an hour, and I died a lot, but, you know, it is very manageable. But that is really, really, really addictive because you do get those tweaks. You can tweak your stats how you want. Uh, the various gear along with those various stats has different bonuses. So like if one is designed for sort of tanking, it'll have higher health and it'll have, you know, a higher health boost. If one is sort of DPS based, it might have a percent bonus to critical damage or a percent bonus to ammo capacity. So in addition to tweaking for all of your stats, you're also tweaking for all of sort of the bonuses you get. Like one of the common choices I would make is critical damage boost or reload speed, which was actually kind of rare. You didn't see a whole lot of speed. You saw more like ammo capacity and things like that. And in addition to that, if you've seen any reviews at all, you pretty much have seen people talk about how the weapons are all moddable. There's a bunch of basic weapon types. And then each of those has a certain number of mod slots. And these mods will be like, you can put a scope on there, you can put a grip on there, you can put a different magazine on there. And these will tweak it just a little tiny bit. Uh, the stuff I saw was only gray or green in terms of con color. So they weren't doing a lot of <laughs> boost. It was like 2% here and there. But you know, that's a, a decent improvement. It lets you tweak stuff even further. So you might like this particular weapon, but you want to boost it a certain way. You can do that as well. So the sort of loot and item system gets really, really, really addictive. And you can really sort of at least feel like you are specifically tweaking your character, you know, a certain way to fit your playstyle. And to even further <laughs> get you addicted, uh, the blue loot and the higher, I would guess, uh, all have like certain really ridiculous, amazing perks on them. And I wasn't quite clear on how it worked, but I think it was that you just had to meet uh, the stat requirement to unlock that perk. Didn't seem experience-based or anything, because I did get a couple weapons that had perks like that, and they, they unlocked immediately when I equipped the weapons. So I, I think it's just you must meet the stat to unlock the perk. 
And like I said, the perks do really ridiculous things. Like the pistol I got had a 100% damage boost on people that were, you know, 30% health or lower. So, you know, not a huge amount of time that it would happen, but 100% damage boost. That's, that's ridiculous. That's crazy. So it gets even more addictive and amazing, uh, with higher ranked loot. So sort of along the lines of tweaking loot and tweaking weapons to how you want, this sort of created a feel I got very similar to the Mass Effect Online character system, where if you liked sort of this one specific role, but you wanted to play it slightly differently, you could do that. Like you could choose sort of a, a DPS, but instead of going, you know, sniper, uh, you wanted to go shotgun, you know, and run around and do a lot of cover and then get up close and shotgun, shotgun, shotgun. You know, you could do that. So you have that freedom to build, you know, exactly how you want in sort of a, a traditional class style uh, of your choosing because there really aren't classes here. So you can build, you know, however you want. And as far as you know, there aren't any restrictions to changing your stuff at all. The only restriction I found was if an ability was on cooldown, it seemed like you couldn't change it. So while you could decide to change your abilities under fire if you want, it's a really bad idea because you're being shot at. You know, as long as they weren't on cooldown, it would allow you to change them. But say your Q ability is on cooldown, it wouldn't let you change that slot until it's done with its cooldown. And then uh, when the new ability goes in, it takes just a little bit to get up to uh, to ready. I think it's like one or two seconds. It was pretty quick. But you know, that it's not immediately available. So you couldn't do something like, you know, use a really powerful ability and then swap it. And then when it's ready, use another really powerful ability. But you weren't completely locked in in the sense of like once during that super hard setting mission I did, I got really low on health and I was like, well, poop, my radar bonus damage isn't going to help me because I'm not going to live long enough. So the next time it came up, I, I swapped that to my heal. And then, uh, you know, a couple of seconds later, the heal was ready. I popped the heal. And then when it went back to being ready, I swapped it back to the radar. So, you know, you can swap in combat. It's not the best idea. Uh, but you are free to do that if the situation changes and you're like, oh, tactically, I need to change to do this. I would assume it's a similar kind of thing with uh, swapping items or weapons. You can carry, you know, a bunch of stuff and I believe swap at any time you want. Again, you know, you're taking far while you're doing it. And the UI tends to sort of fade out the background. So you just see the UI so you can hear uh, what's going on, especially if you're being hit. You can definitely hear the foom, 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 foom. Um, so, you know, again, not the best idea, but there is that option. So that's pretty cool that they let you do that and sort of adjust tactics on the fly. I still have some pretty big reservations as to how much content there will be. Uh, the beta was locked down pretty heavily. There was, I think, three total missions, one or two of which were sort of main story missions, and then there was like a couple of side missions. So being that locked down and being that they only let people play for a weekend sort of indicates to me that they were afraid that people would burn through the content uh, you know, during a longer period and be like, oh, this game has no content because I finished it this fast. So that's kind of a bad sign that they 
they aren't willing to let people look at more than it was pretty much an hour and a half worth of content. But that being said, the fact that it kept my attention for basically seven and a half hours and then it was basically closed, I didn't have enough time to play more after that, actually is a really good sign. They do have random missions that are happening somewhat frequently. Uh, I kind of did two play sessions and each play session had, you know, random encounters I could go check out. There were some times when I was running around with nothing to do, but overall it was pretty busy. There was always something for me to look around and do. And this again was sort of a low level area. Uh, so I'm sure the higher level areas would have more activity and more stuff going on. Usually in the lower levels you want things a bit more calm so people sort of get used to the game, used to the movement system in general, uh, used to just sort of combat and figuring out their abilities. You want things a bit uh, slower paced. I did have some time in the dark zone, the big, big deal, big deal sort of end game stuff they've been talking about so far. I don't know if there's more end game content other than that. But my opinion is basically what I expected it to be. The first time I only spent about 15 minutes in there, I was looking around. I saw a few players. I didn't really see any enemies until I got bored and left. And the second time I played, there were quite a bit more players. There were some enemies. I got some loot. I went to the extraction point. Uh, you know, watch the timer go down, 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 down. There's some other people there. I'm like, oh, are these guys good guys? Are they going to be, you know, poo heads and attack me? There was like six of us. You know, after about 10 seconds, we're like, okay, nobody's shooting, so it seems cool. So the timer runs down to like 15 seconds before the extraction. All six of us sort of move in and get ready to attach our loot to the rope. Because it's like a helicopter comes in and it drops rope. And you put your loot on the rope, and then it takes it out of the area. Oh, and for those who don't know what the Dark Zone is, it's a PvP uh, open fighting area. Anybody can attack anybody. There are PvE villains in there, and they drop loot, and then, you know, a person picks up the loot, and they have to take it to this extraction point before they can use it. Until that point, if you get killed, uh, that loot that you got in that zone uh, drops, and other people can pick it up. So, like I said, there were six of us chilling. The timer got down to, like, ten seconds. And then some, you know, buttholes uh, grenade us and kill everybody. And take our loot. So I got some more loot. I get back to the extraction point again. Again, same thing happens. Gets down to like 10 seconds. Somebody grenades us and kills everybody out of nowhere. Takes the loot. You know, puts it on the thing. And they get the loot. So after that happening a couple more times. uh, I had basically spent 45 minutes gaining a couple of green con items. That I could have easily gotten in PvE. It was absolutely not worth my time. And unless they do something to discourage what I will call extraction camping, that's just going to be the norm. Just people are going to extraction camp. The PvPers are going to basically grief the PvEers, while the PvEers are the ones that are going to be going out and getting all the loot. You know, the PvPers are just going to extraction camp and kill them and take the loot at the last second. So that's rapidly going to get really boring and really annoying. And they're going to lose all of their PvE players. And the PvE players just won't go back in there. There will be no point for them to go in there. 
So without some kind of penalty in place, you know, those guys, even if they get killed, uh, they'll just go right back and do it again. There's there's no timer on respawn or anything, which I think there absolutely needs to be if they're going to be like that. If they're going to go rogue, kill other players, there's got to be some kind of penalty other than, oh, everybody come kill this guy. Let's flag him as a bad guy. You know, it's got to be something more than that. So, uh... I would not recommend it for casual PvPers. It's just not worth it. I mean, try it out for sure. It's kind of cool to get that thrill. But it it's just not worth it, in my opinion. So the big question. Based on my preview, if I were not poor and had no money, would I buy the game? Um, sure. I do think, though, that it's going to be really short on content. I think... Very similar to Destiny, you'll probably be done with the main story in a single weekend. I don't know how much uh, quest story there is. I could be totally wrong. It could have way more questing content. Uh, I don't know. They've not revealed any numbers on that. But again, based on the fact that they locked you down to you know, pretty much one hour worth of content in the beta and the beta was only one weekend long, that's really kind of heavily pointing to a very similar design uh, as Destiny has, which is just not very much content, and it's all, you know, very easy on the server in terms of uh, loading and unloading uh, data to the player. So my guess is, with all those indications, there's probably not a whole lot of content there. Was it fun and enjoyable? Yeah, absolutely. Do I miss it? Uh, surprisingly, I kind of do. And that is because, you know, character tweaking, uh, even from what was unlocked, like I said, quite a bit was still locked. And definitely the loot system, the tweaking system and the crafting system was also completely locked. So that's a whole other thing that would be <laughs> equally as addictive. Uh, all of that was really good and had uh, a lot of promise for a really solid game. But again, my hesitation with it uh, on a personal level is that I just don't really like games that are either modern-based or human-versus-human-violence. It makes me very sad, and it makes me, you know, think about real-world violence that's going on all the time, especially, you know, the more modern settings that they use. This was, you know, a little bit easier to forgive because it's in like a sort of post-apocalyptic New York. There's a lot of disaster stuff. There's obviously this big, huge thing that's happened, which, you know, could happen. There could be some kind of biological disaster that has a very similar effect. Sure. But it was off enough. It wasn't quite as uh, traumatic as something, you know, like a battlefield game where it's set, you know, in a modern war. But that being said, you know, after about two or three hours in, you know, a lot of the people you face are just street-level thugs, and they're kind of just looking for food and supplies to get by. So, you know, I did start to feel a little bit bad and a little bit sad about blowing these guys up uh, just because they're looking for food and trying to survive. So for me, a lot of the hesitation is this is a modern world game outside of the fact that there's not a lot going on in terms of, you know, variety. Uh, all you're going to fight is human, 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 human. You know, there's something like six factions. They're all human. 
Now, granted, they could do some weird stuff with them. Maybe one group has uh, jetpacks, and they can fly and hover around in the air, very similar to the Destiny Wizards. Sure, okay, we, we can give them that. That could happen. They might, again, have jetpacks and jump across great distances, uh, much like the Cabal in Destiny jump around. But overall, these are human bad guys. Uh, the ones that run at you are going to run at a certain speed. One group of bad guys, uh, you know, it doesn't matter if they're football players or soccer players, they're not going to run a whole lot faster than the thugs or, uh, you know, whatever group of bad guys there are. All their basic movement speed is going to be about the same. All of their sort of health is going to be about the same. The fact that there's somebody with really heavy armor just feels really incredibly awkward. It's like armored to a point. Uh, sure, that makes sense. Uh, you know, especially since it's sort of a, a blad of armor. You know, you shoot it. And um, like one guy's in the hard mission I did, they had five pips of armor. Uh, once I got a pip down, it, it didn't regenerate. So, you know, it's somewhat believable in that they could have some kind of armor that I shoot off. But those bosses, I heard about reviewers talking about to take, you know, five or ten clips to get through. That's just not very believable. Even if it was a giant spider or something from space, you know, that would be, okay, I believe this thing will take a million bullets to kill. You know, sure, okay. Or if it's a big, you know, hulking monster creature, sure, it's going to take a lot more bullets. But human, 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 I don't know. It just doesn't seem uh, very plausible or interesting in terms of potential for variety of bad guys. And post-apocalyptic New York, uh, with them claiming, oh, we're doing a one-to-one -one recreation of these several city blocks. Okay, you guys have just seriously limited how much variety you're going to have in the environment. So, uh, in all personal hesitations, I would prefer something more sci-fi fantasy, I would prefer something that doesn't lock down the location so you could get some locational differences. But if you're into a modern world thing, and, you know, judging by all those modern warfare battlefield fans, there's probably a much bigger fan base for modern than not. Uh, you know, if you like modern, it should definitely be something to check out. So with all that rambling done, we very quickly come to the end. There's no donations, and the only news is that XCOM 2 is now out. Uh, I have gotten some money to do a thing, so I will have paid my uh, car insurance by the time you hear this, and it will be like 20 bucks away from being able to get XCOM 2, which I hope, 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 hope I get donations for to do that, because I would very easily spend hundreds of hours, super happy fun time playing that. Uh, I played the first one quite a bit, and this one is going to be so much more. And if I do manage to get it, 
uh, I will put out a podcast uh, a week from now and talk about what I've seen of it so far. Uh, at that time, I probably will only have about three or four uh, days I got to get a good look at it. So probably won't be very far into it. But I would certainly have something to talk about uh, then. Uh, if not, uh, if you don't see a podcast next week, it means I did not get more donations to have the freedom to do that. And um, I'll think up hopefully something to talk about uh, in two weeks, as this now has reset the two-week timer. I don't know what I'd talk about, but hopefully I'll find something. And hopefully I'll see everybody then. Okay, thanks, bye. You have been listening to Rabbit's Ramblings. If you would like to see the show notes or feed the bunny by sending a donation, you can find the show website at www.rabbit.com slash podcast slash rabbitsramblings.html. When you type Rabbit's Ramblings, don't use the space. If you would like to send me an email, you can do so at rabbit at rabbit.com. If you like my page, you can also post on Facebook at rabbit.com. You can follow me on YouTube at rabbitdot.com. I have a page on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash rabbit, R-A-B-B, number one T. You can set up a monthly recurring subscription there at a price point of your choice. Be sure to put the number 1 in place of I anytime you type rabbit. Rabbit's Ramblings is copyright 2016 by Eric Stryker, a.k.a. Rabbit.